Welcome to the podcast Ethics and Etiquette, a thought-provoking dialogue about everyday dilemmas. Today it's the Etiquette Quick Hit. Every now and then, we go back to basics and offer our listeners some reminders of basic courtesies. Today, we talk about when should you remove your hat? When is it appropriate to give up your seat on public transportation? And is standing up for an introduction hopelessly old-fashioned? Let's get started. I'm your host, Marna Ashburn. Let's meet the other members of the team. First up is wife, mother, and attorney, Kelly Halligan-Zimmerman. Hi, Kelly. Good morning, Marna. Good morning, Mike. And Mike Derrick, a retired Army officer, combat vet, and father of four. Morning, Mike. Hi, Marna. Hi, Kelly. Welcome to our Etiquette Quick Hit episode. It's back to basics today. We're going to talk about three scenarios that you might encounter in daily life, etiquette questions, and what you should do. We're each going to answer, and then I have the Bible of Etiquette here, Emily Post's Etiquette, Manners for a New World, which is about a 10-pound book. It answers every question you have. I got it at the library, and we're going to see what Emily Post, or in this case, her descendants are now writing it, what they have to say. The first etiquette quick hit is, should you leave your hat on when you're indoors? And this goes for men or women. Mike, what are your thoughts on this? I would hesitate to speak for women on this one, but I'll take a shot on the male side. Typically, men are welcome and encouraged to wear hats in public spaces. That could be outside, that could be inside in some sort of uh, foyer or lobby, a large public space. But when they enter something which is no longer a public space, then typically a hat comes off. And there are all sorts of cultural differences and regional differences. But, you know, that's generally how it works. Uh, Men take their hats off in church. Men take their hats off when they sit down to dinner. If you sit down in a meeting, you take your hat off. So I just know that if any of my sons showed up to the dinner table with a hat on, boy, they heard heard about it from their mother in a heartbeat. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, there was no they learned quickly, huh? <laughs> there was no equivocation on that, and uh, she would actually ask them to leave the table. So <laughs> there was a very hard line there. No hats um, at the dinner table at the Derrick household. Yeah, yeah, but it's interesting. It even changes within the military services. You know, in the army, when you enter a building, you take your hat off unless you are what's called under arms. So you're armed for a specific reason. And then you leave your hat on because you're performing an official function, official duty. I know other services handle it differently, the Navy in particular. So, again, it's regional, it's cultural, and we do have man-woman differences on this one. I don't know. I don't think that got us very far, Marna, but that's what I'm thinking. Okay, that's what you're thinking, and it did get us somewhere. Kelly, what do you say? I was taught that it's a hard no for men. In other words... A man should not wear his hat inside church, restaurants, dinner tables, school, but that it is acceptable for women um, when wearing a dress hat versus, say, a visor or a baseball cap a woman might wear to a ball game or to protect herself from the sun. Now, there are a few exceptions. If you're a balding man, well, then you can wear a hat all the time. All the time? 
all the time. Even indoors? Yeah. Wow, Kelly. Well, sure. Why? I mean, because you need to cover your baldness, and you look better with a hat on. Oh, <laughs> come on. Kelly, I, I don't know if I'm buying that. Just, I don't know I, if I'm buying that. This is my own little etiquette rule. Um, cover your baldness? Because it's is well, it offensive? I mean, it just makes men feel better. No, it's good for their emotional well-being. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about them and their feelings. Um, Also, also Donald Trump says you can wear a MAGA hat anytime, anywhere, all the time. So I just wanted to bring that up. That's a presidential edict. Yes. Uh Mm -hmm. So that's my answer to this question. Well, there are some people who say that men wearing hats contributes to hair loss. Somebody told that to my son. Oh, that's interesting. Well, I'm just Mm -hmm. thinking about people's emotional well-being. Mm-hmm. Kelly, that is so thoughtful of you, and um, you know, <laughs> Thank you. I'm just this is a nice change of pace from you, Kelly. I mean, well, I know how sensitive men are, especially. Yeah, we are sensitive. We are very sensitive. Yes. I mean, you brought up hair loss. I don't even want to go there. Okay. Oh come on! You've got a nice head of hair there. You'll see when we post the picture of your hike. All right. Um. So I was always taught that you remove your hat, hat when you come inside. And I do see a lot of men and women wearing hats in restaurants and things like that. In fact, when I was married, my husband would often wear a baseball hat in restaurants. And when I asked him to remove it because I wanted him to set a good example for our son, he told me, no, he wasn't going to, and that I should quit asking him to do it. Is he balding? Uh, No, he was not balding. He was just stubborn. He was stubborn, exactly. And one time we were out to lunch with his parents, and he kept his baseball hat on. And his father turned to him at the restaurant table and said, didn't they teach you at West Point to remove your hat when you're indoors? Real sternly like that. (laughs) And, uh, And my husband at the time took it off. And it was never an issue again. (laughs) <laughs> so did you like smirk at it? I smirked. Oh, I I went inverted. I smirked so so strongly. I have the page from Emily Post's etiquette book on hats on or off, and it's interesting. She has like a matrix here uh, with a bunch of different situations, and then how it applies to men, women, and women fashion hat. And the women, if they have a fashion hat, if it's part of your outfit, you can leave it on at all times, except if you're at work especially in an office, unless it's required for the job. Interestingly, the men and women, it's the same. You you can leave your hat on for the same things, which are at athletic events, indoors or out, on public transportation, in public buildings, such as post offices, airports, train stations, in office and hotel lobbies, and on elevators. So, Mike, you were right about when you can leave your hat on. All other times, you're supposed to take it off. When you're being introduced, when you're in someone's home, when you're indoors at work, when you're in church, when you're in a public building such as a school, a library, a courthouse, at the table, at a restaurant, at a movie, when the national anthem is played, you take your hat off, and when the American flag passes by, as in a parade, you take it off. And the one caveat she mentions is remove a fashion hat anytime it blocks someone's view, such as at a wedding or in a theater. So that's the one exception. Interesting. So the rules are pretty much the same for men and women except for fashion hat. So nothing about balding or MAGA hats? Nothing about that. Hmm. Wow. I just want to throw in one thing. I've lived out west for many years, and uh, the cowboy hat, I think, takes on its own sort of set of rules, or at least those who wear cowboy hats. And it seems like, you know, it is popularly accepted 
that you can wear those cowboy hats at just about any anywhere at any time. It may not be polite by other people's standards, but if you're in a Western bar or you're in a Western restaurant, mm-hmm. you'll see people. Um, I mean, otherwise, uh, men with impeccable manners and very courteous, they will be wearing their cowboy hats, sort of so, surgically attached to their heads, I think. Right. So. so it goes back to what you were saying about cultural yeah, regional differences, right. Well, now, she does mention two things here, Emily Post's book. Head coverings worn for religious or cultural reasons are usually removed indoors. I think she's speaking of yarmulkes here. If you're attending a religious service in a tradition outside your own, call ahead or check with someone of that faith about appropriate headwear and attire for visitors. And the second exception is chemo caps. Cancer patients are exempt from hat rules. They may keep their hats on at all times if they wish. Wow. There's your baldness, Kelly. Those people definitely deserve a break. And and those caps really help promote, you know, retaining hair. You know, I, I learned a little bit just in the last month from a good friend of mine who's undergoing chemo and, you know, how the hat works and, and what it's supposed to do. So it's That's important. Great. I yeah. didn't know that. That's very interesting. Yeah. I didn't either. And I do know of some people who have that condition where they, they lose all their hair, alopecia. And right. I think that rule would probably apply to this, too. You can mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you can wear your alopecia hat. Let's move on to the second one. Do you stand when you're being introduced to somebody? Kelly? Yes, uh, you definitely do. You never get a second chance to make a first impression. It just shows respect for the other person, which is so important. If I'm sitting on a couch and I'm meeting somebody, it seems wrong that they would have to come over and kind of bend down to shake my hand. I really should stand up, show my interest, show my respect, look them in the eye and greet them. You know, what do they say? Another saying, first impressions last. Right. And Mike, I think I know what you're going to say, but what do you think? Stand up when you're introduced or not? Yeah, I agree. I agree. There's a few exceptions, like, for example, when it's really awkward. I, I can imagine, I've, I've been in situations where there's a, a large group at a table having dinner, let's say maybe six people, four people, six people, and they see somebody in the restaurant that one of them knows, and so there's a recognition and a little wave, and they come over. And I think at that point, standing up, which can be very awkward and, and even disruptive if things are a little tight, is is overlooked but otherwise yes you should stand up and i think it sends a tremendously good message and i always was impressed by you know in the military typically the junior person would always stand up not only if they're being introduced but when the senior person enters the room i've been always impressed by senior leaders who do that um, just out of reflex or out of courtesy, which wh- whichever, for others who enter the room. It just sends a very positive message. So, Yeah. M- Mike, I was taught the same thing um, when I was a young lawyer. Uh, I was clerking, which was my first job out of law school, and the judge I primarily worked with, he would routinely give his you know, young clerks guidance when we were finishing up our clerkship and going out to practice law. And one of the things that he told me that was critical was to always stand when you're addressing the court, no matter what. And that was somewhat unusual to me because I had sat in court, in federal court on numerous occasions and watched lawyers um, practicing. And he told me, no, that's not old fashioned. That shows respect for the judge, his position and the court. He told me, even if a judge says, it's all right, sit down, 
he told me I should politely decline and say, you know, no, sir, no, ma'am. Um, you know, I respect you and I respect the position and it's important that I show that or, or something to that effect. So, yeah, it's a nice convention to keep up. I agree. Yeah. I would always stand when I was being introduced just to honor the moment and look them in the eye, mm -hmm. give them a nice yeah. handshake. Emily Post yeah. says, whether you're male or female, rising to greet someone who just entered a room is a time-honored display of respect. Old rules about men rising while women remain seated have gone by the wayside. Today, it's appropriate for a woman to stand and offer her hand in greeting to either a man or another woman, and it's the norm in business situations. Standing to greet anyone instantly puts everyone on the same level, namely eye level. Stand when the person you're greeting is older than you, senior to you in business, someone you're meeting for the first time, or someone who is traditionally shown special respect, such as the head of the company, an elected official, or a representative of a foreign country, or a member of the clergy. It's okay not to stand if you have an injury or disability, or you've already greeted everyone once, or you're trapped at a restaurant table or booth or co-workers pop in and out of your office. If possible, make a half-up gesture, a little rise out of your seat, signifying that you would stand if you could. So that's a nice way to handle it if you're, you know, trapped in a booth and um, you're being introduced, you just kind of come up out of your seat a little bit. When in doubt, stand. It's a very respectful thing to do. On to the next one. When you're on public transportation or in a waiting room, when do you offer your seat to someone? And I have a funny little story to tell about this. I went to the chiropractor a few weeks ago, and with the COVID social distancing and all that, they removed a lot of the chairs in the waiting room. So there were maybe two chairs, and I was the third patient waiting. And I checked in, and this man who had to be at least 80 years old, he was probably a World War II veteran, stood up to give me his seat. And I'm, you know, an able-bodied 50-some woman. I thought it was so sweet. <laughs> and he looked a little frail, too, which is made it even more sweet. His gentlemanly instincts just kicked in. And I said, oh, no, no, you take the seat. I'm fine. I'll just stand right here. I thought that was so sweet. Another story I have is when I was about seven months pregnant, I was on the Metro subway in Washington, D.C. during rush hour. And I was standing in the aisle because there was no seat. And I was having a hard time maintaining my balance because I was really pregnant. I was holding on to the top of the seats and being kind of flung around. And there were a bunch of able-bodied 20-somethings, men and women, who were not giving up their seat. And so I was a little annoyed. And then this teenage girl got up. She had to be a high schooler. She got up and gave me her seat. I was able to sit down. I was kind of shocked at the lack of courtesy for me, a pregnant woman. So yeah, give up your seat whenever you can. If someone's elderly, a pregnant woman, or somebody with a, with a bunch of kids, or disabled, Give up your seat. One of the proudest moments I've had as a mother is when I was on a, a city bus and it was crowded. And I did not notice that this senior citizen woman had gotten on the bus, but my son noticed. And he immediately jumped up and gave her his seat without any prompting from me at all. Wow. He's, uh, he's learned along the way. That's really heartwarming. That's great. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, I think this one's uh, it's pretty obvious to anyone who's courteous. It all flows together. You know, courtesy, civility, consideration. You know, you not only give up your seat, you help people out if they need a hand. You know, we've all seen the person trying to get on the subway car with two pieces of luggage or, you know, the mom pushing the stroller with a toddler by the hand beside her. And, you know, there's just too many things going on and you help out where you can. So I think it all falls into the same category. 
it's so appreciated and it it's what it just helps make things go better and makes things easier i encourage people to do it to do it and i would say that part of doing it is that you have to be awake and aware and noticing the people around you if they do need a hand or if they need a seat yeah part of me thinks in your pregnant example i can envision these 20 somethings you know looking down at their phones or reading yes. the paper and yes. just oblivious <laughs> to what was going on around them and you know these simple acts of kindness like mike said make such a difference and they can really make someone's day i mean there's so many people that are alone or you know have little contact with others and just reaching out and and offering a hand when you can can make such a difference so yeah i think this one is is really a no-brainer. Yeah, we're just bringing it up in case somebody's never heard this little etiquette rule. Now you have no excuse. I would just add that, you know, things in this domain have gotten a lot harder in the last 10 years with personal communication devices. And, you know, Kelly brought it up, people looking at their phones, people with headphones on of some sort, and they really drop into their own little world. And, I mean, if any of you have commuted on a New York City subway or a Washington subway... It is taken not noticing other people to a new level. And oh, it even goes totally. so far as walking down the street. I mean, you have people who normally walking down the street would be a would be something where you really have to interact with others just so you don't crash into anybody or anything. And there are people who've somehow perfected, you know, working on their phone with their headphones on, walking down the street. It has distanced us, I would say, whether you're in a subway car or you're on a street or you're in a bus. Uh, an elevator. There's a lot less interaction. And uh, so we're working against that. But I think it's important that people, you know, when you know they're aware enough that if they need to give up their seat, they do it. Yeah, let's try to turn the tide on that lack of attention, turn it more to mindfulness. Well, in my case, on the subway in D.C. when I was pregnant and the, the teenage girl gave me her seat, I did my best to, you know, stagily move over to the seat that was offered to me, glaring at the young men who were busy reading their papers. (laughs) (laughs) Who didn't notice. (laughs) I don't know if they noticed or not, but uh, I hope they felt a twinge of guilt over their rudeness. Well, it's it's the same thing, you know, when you run into the 7-Eleven or the Wawa or whatever and somebody holds the door or you hold the door for somebody. It just just makes a difference. It just is a way to, to connect and just, you know, help each other out. Take care of each other. That's what it's all about, and we especially yep. need need to do it these days for sure. Yeah, and I have a suggestion for your chiropractor. I, I find that practice interesting because in our area, when you go to the doctor or the dentist or the orthodontist, what they've been doing is um, you wait in the car. Nobody's in the waiting room. You wait in the car. You call when you arrive, and then you just sit in your car, and then they call you back when it's your turn. And so you, you go in, and you go directly to you know, the chiropractor, whatever it is, the doctor, the eye doctor. Mm-hmm. That's how you do it. That's a good to, idea. To minimize contact. My hairstylist yep. does it that way, too. I like that. Right. Any end notes from either one of you today? Kelly? Yeah, sure, Marna. I would just say, I know I joke a lot, but I just think kindness goes such a long way. And if every day each of us just tries to participate in one act of kindness, I think it would make such a difference. What a lovely thought. Yeah, well I'm with Kelly. I'm with Kelly. Civility, courtesy, it just makes everything else go better. Never goes out of style. Hey, let's keep this conversation going. 
Leave us an email or a voicemail at our website, www.ethicsandetiquette.com, and you can check out our Instagram, at Ethics Etiquette, and our Facebook page, Ethics and Etiquette. If you want to support what we're doing, subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, and we'd appreciate if you took the time to leave a positive review while you're there. And thank you to all of you who keep recommending Ethics and Etiquette to your friends and family. For Kelly Halligan Zimmerman and Mike Derrick, I'm Marna Ashburn, and this is Ethics and Etiquette, a thought-provoking dialogue about everyday dilemmas. It's good to be with you, and please join us again. New episodes are posted the first and third Wednesday of every month. See you then.